Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. This week, we'll show you how to help children know the truth about when life begins. We'll look at flood legends that point to worldwide deluge we find in Scripture, and we'll learn about the true Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. We appreciate you so much. Your prayers and financial support are helping us meet the mission to bring clarity to the chaos and through radio, resources, and the internet, proclaim the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Our children and grandchildren are constantly under attack. Today, Dr. Georgia Pernum will help you share the truth of how the Bible and science can be trusted. Here's our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino. Dr. Georgia Purdom is one of the authors of a new book, Crafted by God, From Fertilization to Birth. It's in large picture book format with explanations and write-ups that are simple, straightforward, and of course, biblical. It answers lots of questions, such as what is DNA that's on page five. There's a section on how God made you, and what is most important, especially in today's world, is the fact that people are special. There's a lot about human dignity in this wonderful book. This is a volume that creates a respect for human life, and we certainly need that today. Dr. Purdom, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. Why did you and Stacia McKeever write this book, and what do you hope the reader will take away from reading this book? We work here at the Creation Museum, and we were going to be opening a new exhibit called Fiercely and Wonderfully Made, and it's a very powerful pro-life exhibit that shows Mm. with some exquisite models the development of the baby in the womb. When we knew we were going to be having that exhibit, we were like, you know, we need to find some children's resources to Mm. go along with that exhibit. And we just couldn't find anything. We looked and looked, and we was like, you know, Stacia said to me, we need to write the book (laughs) since (laughs) we can't find it. And so I've not written children's literature before and and done anything like that, but it was really neat how the two of us were able to work together because we really wanted to help children know that this is a baby in the womb. This is a a person made in the image of God and has Mm. value because of that and to really help dispel some of the misconceptions that are out there, like you evolve from some sort of ape-like creature, or that there's multiple races, or that you can choose your gender. You know, we don't shy away from those sort of hot topics. We want to talk to these children about this, Mm. because we really want to help develop that foundation, starting with God's Word, answering these questions, so that they can really value human life from the moment of fertilization. Answers in Genesis has some really fantastic people like yourself, well-trained, well-educated. A couple of weeks ago, I did two programs with Dr. Nathaniel Jeanson, of course, has a PhD and so forth. And and I think, wow, you know, these scientists, they have uh, PhDs and everything, and they believe the Bible. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and I praise the Lord for that because we have the the myth that if you're really smart, the Bible's a lot of nonsense. Well, of course, it's not, and it really speaks to the issue of life and to the, the pro-life battle. What, what are some of the things in the, in the Bible that tell us that the unborn are precious, they're special, they need to have every right, every respect, and you're a scientist with a PhD in genetics, so tell us about the Bible and about life. Right from the very beginning, in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, God talked about making Adam and Eve 
in his image. He made man and woman in his image. And that really makes us distinct from the animals because nothing else is made in the image of God. So that is one, I think, right there at the very beginning, we know that. And then all throughout Scripture, you know, we see about the the importance and the value of life. And we see things like in Jeremiah, that God knew Jeremiah, you know, before he was born, he had a plan and a purpose for his life, and he purposed every day of our lives. We go to the New Testament, and we see John the Baptist, you know, still in the womb of Elizabeth, mm. that when Mary comes into the room, who's, you know, pregnant with Jesus, he leaps for joy. These are human beings. They're just in the womb. They're not outside the womb yet, but they're very much image bearers, regardless mm. of what stage of development they're at, regardless of their location, their age, any of those things. And we see that all throughout Scripture. You know, we see Jesus care for children. We see about his directions to parents to care for their children. And I think that's really important, especially, you know, in the culture that we live in today. You know, we talk about, I talk about there's a war on women, but there's also very much a war on children. Sadly, their life is taken even before they can be outside the womb. But even if they are, they're being fed these lies by our culture. Well, you can be whatever, you know, you want to be as far as your gender is concerned or your sexuality is concerned and, and all these lies. You know, we want to help them know these truths from God's Word, that God made us male and female, and we both reflect God's image in different and unique ways, and that that's a good thing, and that's something to be celebrated, and we want children to know that. Amen. Well, you are, of course, a credential scientist, and you know, you just mentioned it, that gender is not something a person chooses. So what has happened to our society? I mean, what can we learn from the current collapse in in morality and sanity? I mean, this is an issue of chromosomes, not you know, I feel like a girl, I feel like a boy. I mean, it's all scientific. So what happened to us? It is very interesting because, you know, many times as a creation scientist, people say, you're not scientific, you know, you're not intellectual. And I think, no, you're saying some of the most absurd non-scientific things I've ever heard, you know, that (laughs) you can choose your gender somehow. And, And I've even seen things, you talked about it being chromosomes, and that's very true. I was explaining this the other day to someone. I was like, look, if you don't have a Y chromosome, you are not a guy. Mm. <laughs> if you have X, you're a girl. If you have a Y, you're a guy. That's embedded in your genome, in your genetics. But I even saw something that, that was telling kids that they can change their chromosomes. Mm. And I thought, that's a bold-faced lie, first of all. But that's so non-scientific, but it just shows you, I think, the extreme to which people are willing to go to. And I think, too, they want people to define themselves in their own image, right? Not in the image of God, not according to what God's word. They want to release them from all authority, or at least help them think they're releasing them from all authority, all boundaries. You do what you want to do. You do you. You know, you do your truth. And what that does is that really destroys the family, because which is the core unit that God has created for society and saying that you don't need to listen to your parents, you can hide things from your parents, you can do whatever you want, that's destroying parental authority, that's destroying, you know, that parental child relationship, but that's what they want to do, right? That's very much what a lot of people want to do so that the government steps in and it becomes the authority and it does everything for you. Then it can, you know, again, conform you to what it wants rather than what God's Word says. I pastor a small church, mainly Chinese, and, and we're made up of families, and there's such joy. You see moms and dads and little children 
growing in the Lord, and I think, wow, what a, what a beautiful picture of what God has done, what God has created, and yet the so-called party of science, they're so unscientific. It's maddening, and yet people don't understand. They think, well, we're bigoted and we're biased. We're not. We're scientific. We're scientific and we're biblical. That's why I always say because when we look at science, science confirms the Bible. It doesn't go against it. I mean, it's clear that God made us male and female, not both at the same time. Right. And, you know, some people with that, they'll, you know, they'll go say, well, there are situations where you have what we call intersex or you have situations where things are a little ambiguous or whatever. And I'm like, so I get that because that's because we live in a fallen world. You know, right. things aren't perfect anymore like they should be, but we should never argue from the abnormal and the rare for yeah. the normal. <laughs> and again, even those individuals, if you look at them genetically speaking, they're still one or the other. They're still XX or XY or C. They have, sometimes there's situations where they maybe only have one X chromosome, but they're still a female because they have that one X. They do not have a Y. So we need to understand that, that even, you know, we need to have compassion and grace and mercy and help those parents and those children that are dealing with some of these abnormal situations. But that doesn't mean that we argue from that for the way it really should be, according to God's Word and according to science. Amen. Well, friends, we're visiting with Dr. Georgia Purdom. She and Stacia McKeever are the authors of Crafted by God, From Fertilization to Birth, Crafted by God is a great title for this book. People are not just globs of protoplasm. We are people made in the image of God and indeed crafted by God, which is the title of the book. So whether we are adults or children, truck drivers or unborn babies in the womb, we are people. You certainly will want a copy of Crafted by God. Our toll-free number is 1-800-652-1144. This is really a helpful volume. It has booklets, fold-outs, and other fun, interactive pages, relevant Bible verses, and answers to intriguing questions about life, a celebration of the uniqueness of everyone, including you. The title of the book, Crafted by God, From Fertilization to Birth. Just give us a call. 1-800-652-1144. Dr. Purdom, on page 7 of your book and following, you trace the development of the unborn child. You know, I'm just truly amazed at some of the things that are programmed by God. I don't have enough faith to believe that all of this just happened by chance. <laughs> I don't believe that. You know, things happen in the womb in perfect sequence, and then when the baby is ready to be born, the mom has muscle contractions. It is carefully orchestrated. The fact that the baby is covered with that white substance, I think it's called vernix, that protects the skin of the baby and acts as a moisture. I mean, this is fantastic. How did this happen by chance? When I study this and study the development of the baby in the womb, and you just think how there's, it's so complex. There's so many steps. And how could that have happened just by random chance over eons of time? Even the fact sometimes I think that, you know, women get pregnant. I mean, what has to come together to make that happen with the joining of the sperm and the egg and all that follows that? It almost seems miraculous, you know, how God has designed this. It shows you, I think, too, that people, when they look at things, the fact that they can't see this, you know, we're talking earlier about gender, that you can choose that and all these things. They don't have the Holy Spirit, right? They don't have right. that. They're not born-again believers, and so they are willing to accept the absurd because of that. 
And I think, too, it shows that they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. You know, Romans one twenty says we can know God through what he has created, right. but then Romans one eighteen says people suppress that truth, yeah. and I think that's really what we're seeing is a suppressing of the truth. Even though it's very obvious, they don't they don't want that truth. You know, they want to do their own thing and, and do what's right for them, you know, what's convenient for them. So they justify things like abortion in, in the name of that. And it's just a case of their hearts, I think, being hardened. And, and, you know, Romans 1, if you read that, talks about God giving them over to a debased mm-hmm. mind. That's really what we've seen. God's given them over to that. They keep rejecting him, and so he's given them over. And that's why they can't see what is obviously, you know, right in front of them, that this had to have been designed by God. It could not have come about just by evolutionary, some evolutionary mechanism. I think one of the uh, deceptions of the pro-choice crowd is that all the women who had an abortion wanted the abortion, and therefore prohibiting abortion is contrary to their wishes. And I've been reading some stuff that says there's a recent study shows that 70% of abortions are either coerced or not what a woman really wanted. That's very interesting to me because the pro-choice crowd is very deceitful. I think it's very evil. It makes it seem like, you know, a woman wants an abortion. Well, actually, 70% of abortions are either coerced or not what women really want. I think that's very, very significant. Now, I'm not really surprised by those statistics. Just in, through women that I have talked to that have had abortion, there is a great pressure out there to do these things. To, you know, there's a lot of that whole sort of woman power movement, you know, well, this is how you can be free. This is how you can pursue your potential. You know, this is only going to hold you back. This will be what's best, you know, and, and they just hear that over and over again. They get indoctrinated by that. And so they give in to that. Sadly, I was talking to a director of a, a pregnancy care center, and one of the things she said to me was that in, in today's world, a very visual world, very social media world, she said she believes most women know that it is a child in their womb. They don't think it's a glob of cells anymore. We've done a really good job. I think a lot of Christians have and other people have in getting that message out there. But now it becomes a different one where, well, you know, this is going to be an impediment to my life. This is going to be an inconvenience. This is going to be, you know, all these things that they're hearing from culture and society. So it's kind of a different battle, and I think in a lot of ways. And and showing, too, I think Christians, we need to show that we don't just care about that life in the womb, but we care about that mom, and we care about that dad. And we want to help them and support them in any way we can to have this child and to nurture and and care for this child. From what I've read, an abortion can be very, very devastating to a woman. You know, people think, well, you you men, you don't know what you're talking about. But as I understand, in many cases, uh, many women have, have severe trauma, not only physical, sometimes that happens, but also emotional, because this is so unnatural to to the woman who is to cherish and to love the children uh, and to um, to relish the fact that God has given her that special gift. So I think we need to remember the woman who has had the abortion, because sometimes it's very, very psychologically devastating. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't see how it couldn't be, because, again, you know, I, I think I would say more than 90% of women know full well what they're doing when they have an abortion. For whatever reason, they've just, you know, decided to go through with that, but they know, and you you don't kill another human being and not be affected by that in some way. So I think that that really gets to the heart of the matter, and it's very, very sad. But I think the good news is, is that for these women that have done this, there is hope, there is grace, and there is mercy in Jesus Christ. And that is the true answer to that. You know, that is the true hope in that, is to turn to Him 
and he can heal you. This world isn't going to be able to do it, but there's true hope found in him. Dr. Purdom, what about those women who have had an abortion? Will God forgive them? Uh, can they turn to the Lord Jesus Christ? Will he accept them on the basis of their faith? What about those those girls, even teenage girls who know it's wrong and they're just desperate and they have no hope? What about the Lord? What about Christianity? What What does the Savior say to them? You cannot out God. Okay? There's no sin that you can do that God is not going to forgive you. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. You know, the Bible says in Romans, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. If we repent and believe, you know, we have that hope. That is for everybody. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed, right, whether it's adultery or lying or stealing, it's all equal in the eyes of God, right? It's all sin. It all goes against Him and His Word. We know from Scripture that if we repent and believe in who Jesus is, that He died and resurrected for us, then we will be saved. That is how we can heal from that, what we have done. You know, it's not that, that people will forget, you know, what they've done, but that they can be healed and live in that hope of Jesus Christ and in His Gospel. One of the things I love about the book is that it has a word about being a pro-life activist. As we find on page 18, quote, a precious baby in her mom's womb can talk or say, hey, I'm a person, please don't hurt me. But we can and need to speak up for them and look for ways to help them. We also want to help mommies and daddies who may need help taking care of their babies. That's so beautiful because I think Kids need to realize that these unborn babies, they're victims. They're pounced on by these monsters. I think that's one of the strengths of your book, that even little children are being taught. They need to be a pro-life activist and to stand for life. That's what we need. You know, if we want to raise a generation of children that really understand this issue well, we need to start out when they're children. We need to start out when they're really young, helping them know these truths. Because when they're confronted with lies by the world, they, they know that truth. And, you know, even involving your children in things like walk for life, you know, a lot of pregnancy care centers have that. Or, you know, any kind of thing that the care center has, you know, a drive to fill baby bottles with coins or, you know, whatever it may be. Involve your children in those things. Help them know. Help them see, like... Not only that you're reading about that truth and know that truth, but that's truth in action, you know, that love in action, that you're doing those things and helping them see how to support these moms and, and their babies. Thank you so much for your part in the book, Crafted by God, and also for the time you're spending taking out of your busy schedule to be with us. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for having me, and I hope people really enjoy the book. Crafted by God is a book that will help you teach your children and grandchildren the truth about when life begins and how it progresses with the beautifully illustrated and interactive book. Ages 7 and up will learn how the Bible and science can be trusted as they explore the stages of an unborn baby's development. This fascinating biblical resource reveals the miracle of life and when it begins, the value of every human life according to the Bible, details of the different stages of development, the uniqueness of individuals and the value of people who demonstrate special needs, and the need to defend unborn babies and the beauty of adoption. As you explore life inside the mother's womb with your children, you will be helping them to love God and love their neighbor. Order Crafted by God today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Make sure you get copies for each of your children and grandchildren, crafted by God. Call 1-800-652-1144. Here's Greg Patton with today's installment of Living in Today's World. 
Here's something for all of us to think about today. Within every person is a yearning for God. Do you think that's true? Well, let me ask you this. At what point in our lives do we begin to hunger and thirst for the things of God? Do you think it begins when you're saved, salvation? I don't think that it does, because in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 21, God says, the people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. Now, if God made us for himself, naturally, he would place within us then a desire for him, wouldn't he? So if this hungering and thirsting does not begin when a person gets saved, it must be present when we're born. Now, this would mean that every single person has within himself then a yearning for God. Now, perhaps you're thinking, if I did not know God until later on in life, how did I possibly have a hunger for him before I ever knew him? This concept may be difficult to grasp at first, but it's no less true. God places a desire for himself within every person. He creates it. It's also true that while some people discover and embrace this desire for God, others never do in their whole lifetime. Let me give you an example. When a child is brought up in a home where he or she is exposed to the Word of God, a home in which the Bible is read and prayers are said and lifted up to Almighty God, this child's going to realize very early in life that God has a place, a purpose, and a plan for his life. This child will comprehend that the most important thing in life then is a relationship with God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And having begun to understand God's place in his or her life, then this child will begin to think progressively about God and the loving relationship he offers. I heard Charles Stanley say this once. He said he began attending church at a young age, even before he knew what was going on. I listened to a lot of sermons. I also have early memories of my mother and her Bible. She would read it to me, even though I did not actually understand the things she was saying. She would also pray for me and call my name out before Almighty God. Without even knowing she was doing so, my mother was helping me to recognize the specific desire and the hunger within me, which was for God. At the age of 12, I trusted Jesus as Savior. My decision was part of the progression of that inborn desire for God that he placed in my heart. I can remember one of my childhood friends, however, who grew up with parents that did not go to church. They did not talk about the Bible or about God at all. When I told this friend that I had been saved, he said, I don't want to hear about that. Even though God had planted a desire for himself within both of our hearts, our lives took different paths. While my mother was wise enough to feed and water my desire for God, my friend was not so fortunate. He ended up in prison. No interest in God. Unfortunately, this situation is not uncommon. When a child has no relationship with God and no one talks to him about God, he begins to look to the things of the world and what it has to offer. And the world has a tremendous menu from which we can feast or drink if we choose to do so. I used to say in my revival messages, compared it this way. I grew up in the 50s, and we had black and white TV. And my goodness, when color first came, it was unbelievable. That's the way it is. God appears to so many to be a black and white. And today's color TV with hundreds, if not thousands of channels to tune into, this is a rough way to go. Satan is a great deceiver. If we don't realize that God has placed within our hearts hunger, 
and thirst that are only satisfied by him. We will likely make choices based upon what looks appetizing and appealing to us. Give me that color TV. When we do that, we're going to find that Satan's offerings are very plentiful. Oh, money, power, prestige, all kinds of addictions. And he whispers to you today, seek after these things and you're going to be a happy man or woman. Whatever it takes, feeling good should be your number one priority, says the devil. Christian, we should be saddened today to think about all the things that people do to feel satisfied and accepted in this old world. In contradiction to Satan's worldly offerings, God's menu is small. It's the black and white TV. It contains one single item, but it's the only thing that's ever going to satisfy you or me completely. That's Jesus Christ. And with him comes peace and happiness and joy and contentment and security in this old world. We can own many things and attain many great successes, but without Jesus Christ, these things will mean absolutely nothing. You will never, ever be satisfied, never be fulfilled, and you will never have real joy and peace and contentment apart from Him. A life without Jesus is a miserable life. Knowing this, we must cling to the fact that we will never be disappointed by hungering and thirsting after God. A relationship with Him is intimate and fulfilling, and the more you hunger and thirst for God, the more of Himself He will reveal to you today, and the more He's going to give you. Our thirst for God will open our eyes to an interesting paradox. While we will always yearn for God, we will at the same time experience satisfaction and peace and a sense of completeness and joy in our lives. This is the mystery and the absolute truth about the nature of our relationship to God. While He always is satisfying us, He is also continually increasing our desire and our hunger then for more of Him. When we act on that hunger and thirst for God, you're not going to allow other things to become competition for Him in your life. Is that a problem? Many people misconstrue this God-given desire for Himself as merely a longing for companionship, they direct their yearning to love and be loved toward people and the things that are not of God. And the devil begins to tell us lies, saying, direct your love toward this person or this thing, and they will bring satisfaction into your life. That is a lie. Friend, when we listen carefully to our hearts, God is also speaking. I placed within your heart the desire to love and be loved, he tells us, but I placed them there for you to express that toward me, not someone else. Your relationship with another person will never produce the sense of wholeness that you desire from truly knowing God. And what is more, an increasing intimacy with Jesus Christ conquers any lukewarmness that can exist. When you have a longing in your heart today for God, no one will have to beg you to go to church today. No one will have to plead with you to be baptized. No one will plead with you to tie to live godly before him. You will want to do these things because you're in love with Jesus Christ, who's fulfilling every longing of your heart. He knows the world cannot satisfy you, and in his great love, he wants to provide you with the very best. The wisest thing you can do this moment is to tell God you want him to cleanse your heart and create within you a desire for him that is so strong that the world loses its appeal. You will find that nothing in this life compares with a hunger and a thirst for the living God. Why not do it today? Music.
today's featured resource is the book Crafted by God. As you explore life inside the mother's womb with your children and grandchildren, you'll be helping them to love God and love their neighbor. Order Crafted by God today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.